me and doing all this DNA research about who our family is and who our ancestors are. And, and so family is just this really complex thing, right? At first blush, it seems so straightforward. But then as you start to dig into it and you say, who actually is my family? It becomes, well, slightly confusing. And Hulk Hogan believes that the term brother isn't mean the biological person that is in my family or even a stepbrother. It can mean so much more than that. So I have some friends that live in Hawaii. They've lived there for quite a while. And in Hawaii, ohana is family. It's this big, huge, encompassing terminology. And so when we went to visit them a few years ago, their two daughters started calling us auntie and uncle. Because that's what you do in Hawaii. You refer to older people as auntie and uncle as this term of endearment because the family is so much larger than your immediate family. So a couple years ago, I was in Jackson Hole visiting uh, some friends. And our friends from Hawaii were there and some new friends from Hawaii were there. And they all happen to have girls that are all about the same age. And so I got to spend the week with these beautiful girls. And they kept calling me uncle. And it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. And so uh, the girl on the left in the pink, her dad has taught her to call me Uncle Meat. <laughs> Which is a much different story for a different time, but it involves salmon and Alaska and all these things. So what do we mean when we talk about this idea of family? So we've been going through the Statement of Faith, and so this week our selection in the Statement of Faith is we believe that all who come by grace through faith to accept the Lord Jesus Christ are born again of the Holy Spirit and thereby become children of God. So as we know, God creates humanity to be in relationship with humanity and to start this thing called the family of God. And then we have Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant, and God tells Abraham that he's going to make him uh, great, and his descendants will be great as the sand on the seashore. And so we have this trajectory throughout Scripture of God's family expanding uh, throughout various iterations. Now this morning, unlike most mornings, we're not going to just hunker down in one passage. We're going to jump around all over the place, and depending on what era you grew up in, to jump around is either, um, it's a different, different thing. Maybe it's House of Pain, maybe it's Criss Cross, I don't know. But we're going to start in, so we're up to two 80s references, if you're counting, uh, following along on the bingo sheet. We're going to start with Jesus really screwing things up for us in Luke uh, chapter 8. You're like, Luke chapter 8 is not up there. You are correct. This is a last minute edition. Jesus, then his mother, Jesus was uh, teaching, then his mothers, verse 19, and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So Jesus immediately upends what it means to be the family of God. So let's flip to uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second one, page 967 in your blue Bible, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. And Paul is talking about the family of God and how this works. Now, it's interesting because Paul takes two Old Testament references, and then the writer of Revelation, John, gives us the same reference 
in uh, Revelation 21, if you're counting at home. Paul says this, he says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of, of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So Paul is talking about how God has chosen humanity to be his people. Growing up, I had two older brothers, two older biological brothers, and uh, they were two years older than me and then two years older than that, so four years older. And so whenever the, their friends would come over and we would play a game, I was pretty much always picked last. And much like Donkey and Shrek, we never want to be picked last, right? Like we always want to be picked. So when we're lining up, we pick captains on the playground, and you're like, ugh. You just did not want to have to be the last person picked because the last person picked isn't actually picked, right? <laughs> You're assigned. You're like, welcome. You get that person. You get the last person that's available. You are assigned. But if you are, in fact, the San Francisco 49ers, you're very happy about the assigned person that you get and Brock Purdy, even though they actually picked him. So God chooses humanity to be in relationship with us. How amazing is that? We've been talking for weeks about this idea of Jesus coming and, and forgiving us of our sins and the fact that God, after he creates humanity, desires to be in relationship with humanity. And God spends his whole life seeking out human beings to be in relationship with him. Because God has such a high value of the human being, and he desires to be in relationship with us. Who acts first? It's God. God is the one who is picking and choosing those who get to be in relationship with him. And it's interesting because last Wednesday, Amy was teaching on Acts. And for the longest time, you had to be a Jew, right? Like if you wanted to be in God's family, you had to be a Jew. So you had to go through the process. And there was this fascinating conversation about why is a centurion not a, a, a higher status, even though he's a Gentile. And it's like, well, there's this thing called circumcision. He happened to be a male. Okay, guys, we get it. Um, but in this vision, Peter sees this vision and God opens up the doors in Acts of his family and who can be included in his family. God does that because God desires to be in relationship with us. Every activity that God has done since the fall is to try to bring us into relationship with him. And it's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we get the opportunity to be in relationship with the God of the universe. And that is good news. I know what you're thinking. Some of you get it, right? I mean, it's only been two weeks. It's only been two weeks. When we hear this news that the God of the universe desires to be in relationship with us, we treat it like it's going to be 45 tomorrow. Interesting. Is it going to be windy? 
It's not going to be 50. Yes, Marcy, yes. Like the God of the universe has desired to be in relationship with us. That should be exciting for us. Yes. Last week I got to go down and preach at Communitas and I was, I was so excited. I was like, maybe the spirit moves more here than it does at Timberwood. <laughs> that got your attention. I'll tell you it didn't, really. <laughs> and maybe that's just because it was me. I don't know. So God makes this choice, and he invites humanity to be in relationship with him. And then we get this interesting thing. If you've ever read John's Gospel, it is, it's unique. It's different than the other three. So uh, if you're following along in your Blue Bible, page 886, right out of the gate, John is talking about Jesus becoming flesh, and he talks about this idea of how is it that we become the children of God. In verse 12, well, let's start in verse 11. Let's start, no, just kidding. 11's good. He came to his own, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This idea of being born of God. And then if we turn the page, or if we look at the other page, in chapter 3, he encounters this interesting man named Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee. And you got to love Jesus, because he's so confusing at times. Can I get an amen? You're like, okay, what are you even talking about? And so Nicodemus goes and he's, he says, Rabbi, verse 2, we know that you are a teacher come, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answers him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we have this interesting teaching that Jesus says we need to be born again. So God decides to choose us, right? And so then we get into this fascinating theological conversation about, so then what do we need to do? So in the early 80s, 1983 to be exact, there was this NFL draft that happened, one's coming up in the spring, and two very interesting things happened. Two individuals were drafted who were drafted by teams that they wanted nothing to do with. Those men are John Elway and Jim Kelly. Now John Elway gets drafted and he's drafted by the Baltimore Colts. You say, well, I thought it's the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, this is the 80s. Things have changed. And Elway says, I'm not going to play for the Baltimore Colts. I will play baseball before I play for the Baltimore Colts. 
And then Jim Kelly is drafted, and back in the day there were two leagues, and so he didn't have to go to the NFL. And he told his agent, there's three teams that I will not play for. One of them, our own Minnesota Vikings, big surprise. (laughs) One of them is the Green Bay Packers, and one of them is the Buffalo Bills. So who selects Jim Kelly? The Buffalo Bills. And he says, I will not play in the NFL. So he goes to the UFL and plays for Houston until that league goes defunct and then ends up in Buffalo where he loses four Super Bowls. Great little show on Netflix about that. Then in 1986, Bo Jackson is drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we all know what Bo knows, and Bo knows he's not going to go play in those unis down in Tampa Bay, so he goes and plays baseball for the Kansas City Chiefs. What does this have to do with the family of God? So, so glad. Yeah, the Royals. Okay, good. So glad you asked. Because... As Jesus tells Nicodemus, God has chosen us. God has offered us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make about whether or not we want to be a part of the family of God. God does not force himself on us. He does not make us become a part of his family. He opens up the pathway and extends his hand to us and says, will you be in relationship with me? And now the question is, will we be in relationship with him? The last song we just sang, you know, God pulls us out of the pit, but we have to grab a hold of the hand that is offered by God that is a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And the question is, do we want that? Do we want that in our lives? We have to make the choice about whether or not we want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And as, as Jesus points out to Nicodemus, as Paul points out to the Ephesians in, the, in his letter to the Ephesians, when we do make that choice, it comes with some responsibility. Because when we choose to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there are some things that follow thereafter when we are considered his sons and daughters. There are some amazing family benefits, and also there are some things that come about from us. As Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, or she. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Because in order to be In this relationship, we have this fascinating thing. We say, okay, God offers us the opportunity to choose him. We choose God. And then we enter into this fascinating thing called transformation. And as Paul points out in his letter to the Ephesians, we are different people. And we have this this decision to make. Just as Jesus points out, are we going to live by the Spirit or are we going to live by the flesh? When we go through this process of rebirth, being born again, we are born into the Spirit of God. We are born into the kingdom of God and we are not the same people. 
Yes, we live in the same bodies and we have the same tendencies, but we do not have to be the same people. Paul asks the question, are we going to choose to live by the carnality of our flesh or are we going to choose to live by the Spirit? And then we look at this thing called family benefits. As Paul writes to the Galatians. Remember when we were in Galatians? Remember that? You're like, that's when we used to preach through the Bible. <laughs> Amen. You're like, Eric, you've been talking about how we should read big sections of Scripture. Now you're just jumping around piecemeal all over the place. You are correct. Paul says this when he writes to the Galatians. He says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. And if a son and a daughter, then an heir through God. Growing up, I was born to parents that I did not choose. <laughs> right? Like You don't get to choose your parents when you're born. That's kind of how that works. But one of the perks of being uh, born into having the mother that I did was every birthday we got the most amazing birthday cakes. And so you knew when it came time for your birthday, you got to choose what type of cake you would get, and it would be exciting, and it was all these different, time, different types of cakes. And she would do everything she could to make your birthday the most special day of the year for you. There was... You know, uh, all these different, there was like 3D bears because the Care Bears were a thing. And yes, I did like the Care Bears. I can say that. I'm secure in myself. Okay. And one of the perks of having my dad as my dad was that he worked for KYNT, Yankton's home team, AM 1450. That's where Tom Brokaw got his start, in case you're wondering if you need a trivia question. And one of the great things about having my dad run the radio station was he had an endless supply of movie tickets in his desk drawer. And those were great for when you, A, wanted to go to the movies, or B, needed some extra cash that you could sell to your friends. You're like, that sounds like theft. I don't know. Some people take gum from their dad's desk. I took movie tickets. They were there and available Major, major perk. Paul tells the Galatian church, what is it to be a child of God? What does it mean that we are children of God? Well, the number one thing is that we are no longer slaves to our old selves. We are no longer enslaved to the patterns of this world because God has chosen us, and when we have chosen God, we move into the status as children of the Almighty God. And it comes with all of these perks. And I know for some of us, we think about the perk of being a child of God is that I don't have to go to hell when I die. 
And that is such a narrow and limited focus of what God wants for his children. God wants the best for his children. And so to live into this relationship as a follower of Jesus Christ isn't so that we obtain some prize at the end of the race. It's so that we get to live into the fullness of what it means to be a human being in the here and the now. No longer enslaved by the passions of our old self. We don't have to do the things that we used to do that when we did them, we just were like, why am I doing these things? And Paul tells us, and he's trying to tell the Galatian church, that we are heirs of the kingdom of God when we're in Christ. I mean, how amazing is that? It is the best news ever. And so what does that look like? It looks like freedom in the here and now. And I've, I've described it before like this. You know, it's like uh, when, when, when you have that video game or pinball machine, again, depending on which era you're from, <laughs> and you don't have to pay for it. So you can take chances. You can take risks. And if, it, if you screw up, guess what? You're good to go. As somebody said this last week, quoting N.T. Wright, followers of Jesus Christ should use way more grace than people who do not know Jesus. Because we know our need for a Savior. We know how screwed up we are. And so we burn through grace at an alarming rate because we know we need it. And that is okay. Because God loves us. And he wants to be in relationship with us. And he wants us to not, know it, not only know it, but truly embody what it means to be his children. That's what this life is all about. To be the children that God has created us to be. And so it comes with an interesting thing, right? Because if I'm a child of God and you're a child of God, and as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, then what does that make us? Siblings, yes. Spoiler alert, it's right there. That wasn't hard. It's like open book test. There it is, ding. And John, in his letter, his first letter, he has some things to say about siblings. And I know I have uh, a much larger section there, but due to time, I told Amanda I needed 10 more minutes for this sermon, and she's like, you need 10 more minutes to prayer? I said, no, I need 10 more minutes of the sermon. I don't have that. Paul, John is writing this letter to, to his beloved church, and this is N.T. Wright's translation. It's a contemporary translation. It's not a paraphrase like Eugene Peterson's. But I just love what he sa- how he says this. He says, This is the message which you heard right from the start. You see that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil while his brothers were right. Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the family. Anyone who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates their brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has the life of the coming age abiding in them. This is how we know love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we too ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Anyone who has the means of life in this world, 
possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and closes their heart against them. How can God's love be abiding in them? Children, let us not love in word or in speech, but in deed and in truth. Let us not love in word or in speech, but in deed and in truth. Because when we look at this, being children of God, then it necessarily follows that we are siblings. And for some of us, you're like, oh, God, that is unfortunate. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't write this Bible. And when we are siblings, we have things that we owe to one another. And it's not just that we owe to the people who enter into this building and reside in this building, because the family of God is those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And last week when I was at Communitas, it was wonderful. I was hanging out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you go up to Lutheran Church of the Cross, you're going to hang out with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you go to St. Chris's, you're going to hang out with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you go to Christ Community, brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the family of God is those who follow Jesus Christ. The family of God is those who are disciples of Jesus Christ. And woe to us if we are led by the enemy into believing that somehow Sunday morning and church membership is a competition in which we are striving to be the best. No. We are striving to be followers of Jesus Christ and to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, period. And through that, we get to love those around us, those who do not know Jesus Christ and who are not yet a part of the family. And I know there are many, many just responses coming up in your brain or in your heart or in your throat or underneath your breath. Well, they don't agree with us on all these things. I understand that all too well. Thank you, Taylor Swift. But as John points out in his letter, as Jesus points out again and again, as we look in Acts, God is seeking humanity to be in relationship with us. He has chosen us. The question is, will we choose him? And then when we choose him, after he chooses us, will we then live as his children in this world? And what does that look like? It looks like loving one another, not only in word, but in deed. Because I'm not sure how you define family, but God defines family in a very interesting way. And I don't know what your family was like growing up. I don't know what your family is like right now. I guarantee it's complex. <laughs> no matter what our family of origin is, our family of choice can be the kingdom of God. God offers that to us. He says, I want you to be my child. The question is, are we willing to say yes to that offer? And then when we say yes to that offer, are we willing to live and act as if God is our Father? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you.